0: The views expressed in this presentation are expressly those of the presenter and do not reflect the official policy or position of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, the United States Air Force, Department of Defense, or United States government. You're listening to HyperCast. We're here to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain. With the holiday break approaching, it is the perfect time to unwind and relax, but it's also the perfect time to sharpen skills before the next semester. FTP and POC will host a winter break FTP prep session. Dates have not yet been finalized, however, if you are entering your FTP semester and are interested in participating, please fill out the Google form through Slack. For any questions, please contact Cadet Canalis. Calling all current AS300 and AS400 cadets. Available now is an ODT opportunity for TDY to one of the Air Force Global Strike Command's duty locations. The dates will be from June 2nd through the 15th, 2024, and July 7th through the 20th, 2024. All inputs are due by close of business on February 29th, 2024 for Debt commander approval. Please view the sign-up sheet in the General Announcements channel in our Slack. So what is this TDY? The Air Force Global Strike Command afgsc Summer Program is an opportunity for soon-to-be striker second lieutenants to spend two weeks at one of the Air Force's major commands. Through this program, cadets will gain a better understanding of the AFGSC's mission through a three-week immersion into the command while experiencing a basic knowledge of Air Force Base operations. It will additionally provide a basic understanding of why U.S. nuclear capabilities are necessary for Americans, our allies, and partner security. Eligibility requirements include being a U.S. citizen and an AS-300 or 400 if on a five-year program, been assigned to 11X, pilot, 12X, CISO, 13N, nuclear ops, 21M, missile maintenance, or 31P, security forces, or a support such as finance, personnel, logistics, etc. AFSC. Note. We understand that some AS300s may not have received their AFSC by the nomination deadline. Regions should nominate cadets competing for one of the listed AFSCs. If a nominated cadet does not receive an eligible AFSC and still wants to attend, Regions will contact DOT for coordination with AFGSC or provide a replacement with a cadet who is eligible. Additionally, you must have an educated secret clearance by the cutoff time, term and cumulative GPA of 3.0 or higher. For more information, please visit Canvas or contact Cadet Dudek. Thank you.
1: Good morning good afternoon and good evening out there folks at debt 04 southwest region all across ROTC. i am captain christian hype man sledge and we have the pleasure today of interviewing our new southwest region commander all right that's colonel grim who's out there from texas uh actually he just finished um Coming through and visiting Debt 4 and getting the spin-up of how we operate ourselves, Rebel Nation. All right. So uh, I did have, I asked uh, if we could, you know, conduct an interview just asked ask him some um his perspectives on certain things. Uh, and we're gonna get that today. We're gonna answer a lot of debt four's questions that they've had, uh, and some of my questions, because I've had them too. All right. So without um Sir, I just want to say thank you for just spending some time with us. We know you're a busy person. You know, you got big Colonel things to do. Um, and, and again, we really appreciate you spending some time hanging with the, the cadet wing and answering some of the questions that they have today.
2: I'm excited to be here. Uh, yeah, obviously, earlier today, got to, to visit the detachment. Uh, you know, got to see where, where you guys live and you, where you conduct the mission day in and day out. Got to attend, uh, you know, obviously, your staff meeting, the cadet staff meeting um yeah the the question and answer with the cadets had an absolute blast uh you guys got a great detachment for sure yeah
1: they're not so bad right' they're not so bad. so um yeah I, I definitely enjoy working with them and i'm I'm glad that you got you had a good time out there we we t- definitely make do with what we what what we have and what we are offered and and all the cool things so uh without further ado, uh we'll get started right into it so uh again. You, we already talked about this earlier. Folks have read your, your bio and everything of that nature. Um, everybody can read a bio. So given that information, uh, I, I want to just kind of kick it off with you, sir, and see what are the most important things that you would want us to know out of your, uh, out of your bio if, if, if they are there. So what would you say are the most important things that you, we would want to know about you?
2: A great question. You know, obviously looking at the bio, the the bio is just, just, just a bio, (laughs) right? Um, It's, it's, uh, um, I mean, I guess the nice part about it is it's, it's very concise about all the different places that, that, that I've been stationed, uh, which is, you know, obviously been fantastic for, for me and for my family. We've been very fortunate to have been stationed all over the world. Uh, We've been stationed in Germany in Italy, Japan, Hawaii. Uh, all over the states, to include here in Las Vegas. We were stationed uh, here uh, a, a number of years ago. Um, so, uh, it, you know, that opportunity to, to really get to see the world, you know, the, people talk about joining the military, you know, because I want to see the world. Uh, yeah. the, the Air Force has given that to, to myself and to my family. Um, you know, my two oldest girls, uh, they both graduated from Kadena uh, High School in Okinawa, Japan. Um, and then, uh, another one graduated in, uh, in Cheyenne, Wyoming at FD Warren Air Force Base. Yeah. And, uh, our youngest, she graduated in San Diego when we were stationed, uh, at San Diego State University. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just a great opportunity to, to you know, travel the world, see the world, experience different cultures, uh, that type of stuff. And, you know, speaking of my kids, uh, I always find it fascinating. You know, you can ask them, so where are you from? And they can't answer it, right? They're like, well, well what, what do you mean? You're like, where was I born, <laughs> or you know, where did that's I graduate true. high school? That is right. true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so, so they can never answer answer that question. Um, but that's that's one of the, the neat things about being in the military is is you get the opportunity to experience, um, you know, all these different places to to go live and explore and, and have fun with.
3: Yeah.
1: So. And that makes sense. I mean, to me, what I'm extracting from from that is Colonel Grimm, the family man. And that's what I'm kind of extracting out of it. And I, I mean, give it, I got five kids and that's kind of how I would sum it up as well. Right. It, we're defined by that at all times. It's 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 crazy how that works.
2: Yeah. And, and I, I think that's important also. So, um, you know, you also hear that the military lifestyle can be very hard on a family, which mm-hmm. you know, there's. That's a very true statement, um, but uh, you know it, it can work. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I met my wife in college. Uh, we got married in college, and you know, we're coming up on 31 years that, that we've been married. So awesome! Congratulations. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, and you know, like I mentioned, you know, we have we have four four kids, all girls, and um, you know, at the end of the day, when it's time to, to hang the uniform up, you want your family to be there with you. Um, so while the military lifestyle can be hard, there's the, you know, there's the separations, uh, you know, for TDYs and deployments, um, there's, you know, the, the, long duty hours, um, I think it's important to include the family in everything that's happening, you know, within, within your, your military career, um, so they can feel connected to it, they can feel like they're part of it, that, that they can have a say in what's happening, uh, with your career also, um, and, and hopefully, you know that will help them feel uh, more in tune with what's happening uh, within the relationships, uh, within the military. And hopefully, you can you know retain everybody o- over the, the, the long term. Um, you because know, at the end of the day, if if you're not retaining the you know the families and the family members, you know the service member's not going to stay either. Right, uh, and they're definitely not going to be dedicated to, to uh, you know taking care of the mission, taking care of each other. Um, so it's it's really important to to include the families, uh, take care of the families, mm-hmm. um, and you know as obviously as a service member to have that open communication, um, you know to talk about the expectations, about the moves, about the deployments, about the temporary duties that are going to happen, about the duty hours. Um, so so they understand you know what's happening from from the get go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So even though I'm, I'm literally outbound and PCSing the Nellis, you know, you know, low cost. Right. So I still have to talk to, you know, my significant other, I still have to talk to you, and, and just map out, okay, cool. What are the hours? Where am I going? Um, what am I going to be doing? Uh, so it, it, where, what part does she have to play in it? You know, she's still a part of it. So a lot of people don't realize, you know, it's a whole integrating process. They are a part of the process. So uh, the more they're in tune with it, the more they are with you when you go to do, you know, especially during the hard times when you need that, that support for the hard times. Um, and, I, and I'm glad that, you know, we got the, you got the, you brought that up because a lot of people don't, they forget that. They're just like, oh, I got to go. I got to deploy. I got to go. Or, you know, they're, they're just not integrated into just a PCSing process. They're just not integrated. And they should be. Significant others should be. Um, so I'm glad that you brought that up. I really appreciate that. And hopefully these youngsters understand that, you know, when they, you know, get older and they turn fifty years old and they realize, Oh, I can't do this alone, you know, and they're finally ready to do whatever they do, they realize, okay, I gotta integrate them into their process. They are part of the family as well, so they need to absolutely hey there's
2: nothing wrong with being over fifty years old. There's I'm nothing just, wrong with telling, that. I'm just throwing that out there. Colonel,
1: what I'm trying to get at is I don't want them getting married at 20. That's what I'm trying to get at.
3: Sit your butt down
1: somewhere and and reflect on your life and work on yourself. Because you know, sometimes you know folks, oh, we're gonna go get married. How old are you? No, sit down. Sit down, right? Uh, And and, and enjoy. Right. Enjoy everything that you can do. that's what i'm trying to get at like i tell my kids that all the time i was like when y'all turn 50 and you finally realize you're ready to get married and and all this you know then you can talk to me right go experience life okay so that's what i was getting at okay so shifting gears sir we got colonel grim the family man and i'm cool with that and i think everybody else is down with that as well um so shifting gears i think you already answered this before earlier i thought i heard this but uh you know correct me if i'm wrong um it was asked, what are the top three most important goals you would expect from the cadre or the cadets to get out of Air Force ROTC from your perspective?
2: Yeah, not, you know, it, 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 it's a great question. Um, and, uh, you know, it's something that we need to continue to ask ourselves as we evolve as a uh, an ROTC enterprise, as an Air Force, as a military, um, I should say Department of the Air Force, uh, as a military Um As we move forward to, you know, again, deterring whatever that next conflict may be. And, uh, you know, if there is another uh, conflict that we're we're well prepared for that, Um, you know, so we want to ensure that we're producing the absolute best second lieutenants that we can we can produce. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we owe that to uh, to the American society. Um, You know, I think that's what our country expects of us is Mm -hmm. to be the best. Um, and I also think we owe that to our airmen and to our guardians uh, to produce the absolute best second lieutenants that, that we can produce. Um, so so we need to ensure that we understand exactly what we value um, as the Department of, of the Air Force and, and then really work to. Uh, to train our cadets to. Uh, to become again the, those the, the best second lieutenants they can be but given those given them those leadership opportunities to develop their leadership uh you know it, and, and they got to do that multiple times right you got to have you know, reps you got to have repetition in, in leadership positions uh, so you can learn about yourself uh you can learn uh, you know where your strengths are where your weaknesses are um you know and then if you have weaknesses you know how do you work on those weaknesses to overcome them or if you can't overcome them at least you've identified them so I can use other resources that are available available to me, my other teammates, in order to overcome those weaknesses so we can still move forward to take care of you know, whatever mission that, uh, that that we need to take care of. Um, you know, we gotta give our cadets the opportunity to learn what type of uh, team members they are and what type of team builders uh, they are. And you have to do that through, through repetition. Um, and, and give them those opportunities to to, to learn about themselves, to practice, um, to make mistakes, and learn from those mistakes, and uh, again become the best leader that uh, that they can be. And we really got to make sure that that you know we ingrain those those war fighting ethos uh, you know into them. Also, um, again, you know, we're we're developing those warriors, those the second lieutenants that are going to go out there and lead our airmen and lead our guardians in, um, uh, you know, de- deterring conflict, and again, if deterrence fails, uh, to go out there and win and, and, and win uh, decisively. Um, so again, we, we really got to make sure that, that we're putting that effort in uh, to, to make sure that, uh, that we understand, you know, what we really value and get that ingrained into our cadets uh, as we build them into to second lieutenants. Um, and I think you know you mentioned the, the cadre i think we also need to ensure that we're doing everything to develop our cadre uh, also so that they have all the tools that they need um, in order to to go out there and really mentor and coach and lead uh their cadets uh, as as they go through the cadet life cycle and um you know really encourage the the cadets to to put themselves out there as uh, again as they try to learn about themselves to be the best leader uh, that that they can be. Um, so we really got to take the time to to develop our, our cadre uh, at at the same time, um, and and you know spend some time and effort uh, in that. Um, and then I you know I also talked about uh, earlier today. Um, you know we need to look at some process improvement uh, areas also. So. Um, you know, there's a lot of administrative action that goes into building a second lieutenant. Um, and, and I think we really need to take a hard look at that and streamline it where we can in order to become more efficient and more effective. And in turn, hopefully that gives time back to the cadre to spend even more time with their cadets. Um, you know, when I look back at, at my time in ROTC, yes, I know it was a minute ago. Uh, you know, I started ROTC 32 and a half years ago, I think. And um, you know, the, the two most memorable things out of ROTC for me was my fellow cadets and my cadre. Right. Um, if you ask me, okay, what was you know what was the lesson blocks that you were taught in in your academic class? And you know, what exactly did you do in lead lab every week? I'm like, Ugh. you know, I mean I know we did leadership stuff, you know, I know we did team building stuff, you know, organizational structure and critical thinking and planning. You know, I am I'm, I'm sure we did all that stuff. Um, but uh, you know, can I tell you all the specifics? Absolutely not. Can I tell you the names of every single one of my cadre members from 32 and a half years ago? Absolutely, I can. Gotcha. That's that's yep. the type of impact uh, you know that that they had. So we you know we got to make sure that, that the cadre have all the tools that they need, um, and that you know the cadets have the type of experience, the experiences that that they need again in order to build their their leadership. Um, capabilities but also so they can make some really sound decisions on on what type of career field that that they're going to go chase right so you know we need to expose our cadets to uh, active active duty bases to both space force bases and air Force bases uh, we need to expose them to all the different career fields uh, that are out there um, and the more experiences that we can give them during their time in RTC the more they can make an a, a educated decision on what AFCS that, that they want to list. You know, number one to N, uh, as as they de- determine you know what they want to go do once once they join a, uh, join us out on active duty. So really trying to give them that, that experience is 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 really important uh, also. So uh, so lots of words to say. You know, again, uh, you know, really ensure ensuring that uh, you know we're developing the, the cadets into the type of officers uh, that that we expect. Um, providing the the cadre with the type of development that they need so they can be successful in, uh, in accomplishing their missions and then, uh, streamlining some of our processes, uh, to give more time back to the cadre to spend with cadets.
1: Yeah. And, and I appreciate that. So, uh, at least that concept and that, that frame of mind, um, as you know, and as a former commander, uh, debt 075, um, you, you, you. we kind of talked about it earlier, you being in the trenches. Sometimes you got to get in the trenches to knock some of this this admin stuff out. If a cadet just knew what what, what we had to push in order to, to graduate one person, to put gold bars on one and then multiply that times whatever. And, and there you have the workload. Um, but I, I know that as a fact that you, you know, as a commander, had to get into the trenches as well to to get in, you know, knock some of that administrative action in order to lower the footprint for the cadre. That's probably what the cadre would want the most. If, if in an ideal world, if somebody could just do all the admin so I can get in there with the cadet wing and really get in there in, in the thick of it, that's what we signed up for. But we realize that the admin comes with it too, but if we could just lower it a little bit to the point where we can just spend more time in that cadet wing uh and, and tell them how the theory you know can actually apply then then we can actually do we'll feel like we've done a better job uh, because you know you know just i uh, just sort of click around and do paperwork and things of that nature sometimes at least personally i feel like man i don't know if i'm in the, you know i could be in the thick of it you know what i mean getting in there getting my hands dirty and, and and teaching and mentoring and that's not how you do that that's not the way to think so, but I don't spend a lot of time doing that as much as I would want. I get it in there, but I don't get it in there as much as I, I really like to. I think every cadre member would, would probably wish in a perfect yeah. world, you know.
2: Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I had no, you know, I, I'm an ROTC product, right? You right. know, I came out of ROTC and, mm-hmm. and when I went to go uh, go to the detachment to, to be the detachment commander um, at San Diego State, I I had no idea how much administrative work th- there was mm-hmm. in building a second lieutenant. So, um, so, I, so I, I, hear you. Now, will the, will the administrative stuff go away for Cadre? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's still going to be there, no. right. Right. The, right? You know, the question becomes, you know, how efficient and effective can we make it? So, right. so we again, so we can give that time back to you uh, to be with the cadets.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I know that's that's a goal of yours as well as we yeah. previously uh, talked about. But actually, using uh, your command as a segue to the next question, um, we already know, like I mentioned before, Debt Zero Seven Five out there in San Diego, you're the debt commander out there, and then you finished that term, and then you went back to security forces. So, um, how did you get the opportunity to come back as a region commander, and what powered your, you know, the your like motivation to do so were you excited to get that opportunity again was it like i'm not sure or uh what was your perspective on getting that phone call that email saying hey you have an opportunity to come back as a region commander after you did a debt commander spiel yeah. uh how did you feel about that
2: yeah no that's awesome too. So, um so one i loved being a detachment commander i mean i absolutely loved it, it was one of my favorite assignments you know that again that opportunity to hopefully have that that positive impact on these these young Americans that that are just starting this journey, uh, you know exploring the Air Force and Space Force and you know to be able to go with them through the journey on into active duty and again hopefully have that that positive impact with them. Um, I mean I absolutely loved it. Uh, so uh, you know obviously you know it's it's service before self. So you know wherever the Air Force needed me, um, you know I, I was willing to go and I've always been willing to go. Uh, but I also made it. Known that if there was an opportunity to work anywhere in the ROTC enterprise, uh, that I would be very, very happy to do that because um, I really, really enjoy uh, again being around cadets, uh, being around uh, you know again young Americans that that are willing to serve. Um, you know, I love their energy, their excitement, their curiosity. I mean, I love all that. Uh, so it's just fantastic. So I so I let it be known that i you know, I'd be very happy to to take any position within within ROTC. Um, so my time at, at at San Diego State came to an end uh, like you said I went back to the career field uh, I had heard you know a little bit of rumblings that that there might be an opportunity for uh, uh, you know to be looked at for for uh, you know region command uh, you know so when I heard those rumblings again I made it be you known I'm absolutely a thousand percent interested uh, if if that opportunity should should present itself uh, so uh yeah, so then I, you know, I, I get a phone call one day and it's like, hey, so, so what do you think about uh, the Southwest? Yes. Wait, I I didn't finish what I was going to say. I don't care. Yes, yeah, I, I'm in. Um, and and that's not a knock on security forces. I mean, I love security forces. I'm a career right. security forces officer. Yeah. Uh You know, but but the opportunity to come back into to ROTC, uh, and and you know, and, and this will be my last assignment uh, also. So I'll, I'll retire at, at the end of this. Um, so the opportunity to finish up in ROTC, uh, and again, hopefully the opportunity to have a positive impact on, on the enterprise, um, you know, on our 36 detachments, um, you know, on, on all the cadets and cadre that are actually out there doing the mission. Um, yeah, I, I, I was super stoked and, uh, and, and I jumped at the opportunity when, when it was offered. So, uh, you know, you get the opportunity to, to accept or decline, uh, the assignment and I couldn't hit accept fast enough. So. Absolutely. Okay, so I was telling Major Castillo
1: this, too, because my intent was I was hoping I would be able to retire ROTC. But we knew when Colonel Williams hired me, that it is like, yeah, that might be a little sketch uh, just because of timeline. But I was like, hey, I understand. I'm ready to go now. Right. This is what I want to do. But uh, I mentioned to to Major Castillo when he was here a couple weeks ago that, you know, because he's asking me how I liked it. And I was like, it's been very therapeutic to me. I don't know if anybody has described that at ROTC as a very therapeutic process. Um, but what I mean by that is being able to, you know, you know, cadets come into your office all the time because you're approachable. You're, you're that guy or that gal, and they need that, that mentorship and that help, but not just military stuff, but they're talking about life stuff. Um, so we're able to sit them down and and is, have you had this experience before? I'm like, yeah, you think, Yes, I have. That was that was buried like 15 years ago. But let me tell you about what, you know, Staff Sergeant Sledge did. Like, let me tell you why that's not a good idea. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and I've actually gotten to talk to him and actually, like, believe it or not, like unblocked some chakras that were blocked in my life because I was I forgotten or I, I buried it or I didn't want to talk about it. And now just having that experience, I'm able to turn it around into something positive and give it to a cadet to prevent them from making the same mistake or giving them a portal gun, right? If I can warp right. you from here to here and you don't have to go through this, oh man, I've done my job. I've done right. my job. So, yep. um and I often ask myself, at least back then, why am I going through this? Why why is, am I having this experience? To what you know what I mean, to what end is is having this experience. And as I've gotten to talk to these cadets over the past three years, I realized that that's the answer. I was supposed to have that experience because I made it. I made it, right? It burned. It was uncomfortably hot going through those ordeals. But I made it out unscorched, right? But I was able to go back to them and say, that's why I had that experience. I was able to have that experience because I'm supposed to tell you about it. I'm supposed to tell you how to prevent it. Here's my portal gun. Let's get you from world one I'm going to use my Mario Brothers reference from World 1 to World 4, if I can skip it. So um, I'm I'm glad that, I I mean, it's been therapeutic to me. And that's what drives me every day. Honestly, it really does.
3: Absolutely.
1: Okay. So with that, um, again, another segue. Uh, Cadets come in all the time. They've got their issues. And and some of that is self-induced. So... (laughs) Uh, so I'm going to ask you and from a commander's perspective uh, or a region uh, commander's perspective, what are the, some of the most frustrating or challenging uh, adversities that you had to face in ROTC, whether as a cadet or as a cadre member? Uh, and how did you handle those situations that didn't quite have the perfect solution to it?
2: Uh, yeah, that's a, uh, it's a great question. Yeah. Um... You know, no matter what job you're in or you know where, where you're at in life, you, you're most likely going to face some type of adversity, right? Um, you know, in in an RTC as a detachment commander, um, you know, not having all the resources that that you would like to have. Um, you know, you want to take cadets, you know, to different bases, but you don't have the money to to get them there, and um, you know, you, you have these just different opportunities that that you want you want them to be part of, um, and and that that can be. You know, it can be frustrating uh, when you don't have all, all those those different uh, those different resources. Um, but you got to work through that, that stuff and, and you know, make it, you know, as, as meaningful as 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 possible. Um, you know, when folks get on the active duty, they'll hear a lot. You know, I don't have enough manpower and I don't and I don't have enough money. OK, well, th- there's some planning factors for you there. So you, now, you know, you don't have enough manpower, you don't have enough money. So what now? right? So it doesn't mean that you're going to stop you know, moving forward and trying to accomplish whatever your, your mission is. And you know, obviously, as a leader, it doesn't mean that you stop advocating to get more m- m- money or manpower or whatever it may be. Um, but you still got to work through the problem, right? It's a planning factor, right? So how, how do I continue to work through the problem and, and, and make, make a difference, right? So, uh, you know, trying to expose uh, cadets to rated career fields, Right. So in, 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 in San Diego, you know, we don't have any Air Force bases that are close by. Um, but we would have air force aircraft that would come into the Navy bases all the time to do different stuff. Right. So uh you know, one time, you know, we had a squadron of uh, or wasn't it a full squadron, it was I don't know, maybe it was a four ship or something, whatever it was, uh, of F twenty twos that were coming in. Right. Nice. So so we find yeah, absolutely. So we find out about it and so we reach out to the owning unit. It's like, hey, you know, we're down here in San Diego. We got cadets. Any chance that that uh, you know your pilots and maintainers? You know, would let us come over and, you know, kick the tires. I don't know if they actually let us kick the tires, but, uh, you know, come over there and, and check out the aircraft and, you know, talk to maintainers, talk to the pilots, you know, that type of stuff. And they were like, heck yeah, absolutely. All right. So we were able to bring cadets out for that. Uh, we had a bunch of A-10s that came out one time. Yeah. Um, yeah, attack. yeah absolutely. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, we had, uh, you know, one thirty C-17s, you know, they would come out. So anytime we'd find out about that stuff, Okay, you know we don't have the money to go to, you know, to Luke Air Force Base or DM or something like that, but we got a couple of planes that are here in San Diego. Let's, you know, just jump in the in the van and go over there and and spend some time there, right? So it, so it becomes a planning factor. So you, just, you you, you got to work through it, and uh, you know and, and do the best with with what you got while you still advocate um, to get all the resources that that you think you deserve in order to uh, um, to accomplish the mission. But I do promise you, you will never have. All the resources, you just won't, Um, you just won't. So, uh, so you got to work through it. Uh, Yeah, and then you know, there's other frustrating things. Um, I I think one of one of the the most frustrating things is when um, when you have a cadet that you see all the potential in the world in, and they don't see it in themselves, Um, and that's that's hard, right? Yeah, it's a hard one. Yeah, and and when you Yeah. And you try to, you, know, you really try to work with them to, you know, to bring that potential out, you know, to bring that, that confidence out, uh, you know, that, that willingness to put themselves out there. And, you uh, know, and, uh, you know, unfortunately you get a few that, you know, you're like, man, you got so much potential and they just, they just won't, they don't, they don't you know, get, get to that it, point. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they won't get that point where, where they're able to take that, that, that leap of faith, if you will. And, uh, you know, and trust us in the process that yeah. uh, you know we're, we're going to go on this journey with you, and and, and you're going to be a great leader. You are going to be a great leader, uh, you know. And then someone will walk away from the program because they can't take that leap. Um, mm-hmm. So so that that that's always that's always frustrating when you see that that potential and um, and a, a cadet just won't see it in themselves. Um, but conversely you know, you'll have the, the success stories also, right? You'll have those cadets, you're like, man, look at all this potential. I mean, I see it. It's right there on the surface. And uh, and then one day it clicks for them. They're like, yeah, look at them out there leading now. Holy, yep. that's what I'm talking about. That's yep. awesome, right? So um, so so even though you have some of those frustrating uh, times, you know, the uh, you know all, all the good times, you know, definitely stomp that out because, you know, the, the opportunity to see, to see these cadets, you know, chasing their dreams to, to reach their goals. You know, that number one goal of of earning the title of second Lieutenant uh, and then, you know, that, that second goal of, you know, whatever career field that, uh, that they ever end, they end up in. So, uh, so that's, that's the cool part, you know, watching them raise that right hand and you know taking the oath um, that's, that's exciting stuff.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think I share that, that with you, when you see a cadet that has so much potential, they got, they can take us to the next level for sure. And they had it, and they just don't like you said they don't see it in themselves yet. They, they're not sure for whatever reason, lack of confidence, whatever the case may be. And I know we had this conversation earlier today when, when they're they, they're afraid to jump off the cliff, right aetc has got the backpack. The backpack works. I promise the parachute works. it does, right yeah. you you might stumble a little bit, you you might pull the string and it might not pull you know might not open up at first. But I promise you, if it doesn't at a certain point, the cadre going to jump out there and get you, right? Or the POC will come out there and go, they're going to go find you, right? Yes. And, and open it up for you so that there's, a, there's learning that can be had. But like, like you mentioned before, they just can't jump off the cliff uh, to have that experience and say, oh, you know, that wasn't so bad after all, right? This is good, right? And I learned something today. Um, but like you said, the success stories are, are always the money makers. I love those those are great when they get that aha moment and they that a light bulb goes off and that, that fire ignites and they just they can do it all by themselves. Now they go from straight from crawling to like sprinting in a small amount of time. Um, one of the, the people that I actually, are actually here, uh, Cadet Dudek, is when she came in, she's only 14 years old, 14, 15 years old, super young, super potent. But she was just quiet. She's just quiet, soft spoken person. That's just the way it is. Um, but I think somewhere between that time, somebody, you know, we all realized how much potential she had and, and, and then she came back from field training. She transformed. So a totally new person. She won't be quiet. She always got something to say. She probably won't say it now, but you know I me, mean? it, it's been a heck of a transformation. That transformation is always money in the bank for me to just watch them grow. She's one of the people who have, have has transformed due to this program. And and you can just see the potential there. Very proud of that individual. But there's a lot of people that across the the enterprise that are going through that experience. Yeah. And you're right. Absolutely. That's a money maker. That's how you know we we we're, we've done our job. And it's it's always cool to see. Absolutely. So, um, okay. So this might be one of your pet peeves. That might be one of them. But uh, let's see, let's try and see if that's one of the things. Uh, as a commander or a region commander, uh, what is what is something? And it could be comic. It could be hilarious. Whatever. What is something that gets you from like zero to 60 like instantly that a cadet probably done, has done or or could do. What is something that you would want us to know? Like, hey, hey, that's right. the line right there. Uh, sure. if, if you have, if you're willing
2: to share. Yeah, I mean, it's great. So I, I will, you have to understand my background, right? You know, I, I've been doing this for, for a long time. I've been in security forces uh, for, for a long time. Um, there's not a lot that surprises me anymore there just isn't so um you know so it it takes a lot for me to to be like oh wait what what happened um you know because i've had too many experiences of wait what what happened um so now right. it's just like okay so that happened um all okay. right so so what's next you know you know let's let's again let's work through you know whatever the issue is and you know whatever direction is uh that 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 we need to get to so um so I don't know that that I have I don't know that I have any any pet peeve type stuff mm-hmm. um you know I I will tell you you know I, I am I'm I think rightfully so I think all of us are you know I I'm, I'm really big on our core values uh you know right. I I think yeah. I think you know if somebody wants to be uh an airman or a guardian uh no matter you know on the enlisted side or on the officer side uh you you have to embrace our core values Right. Um, and if, if you're not willing to embrace our core values then'm I'm, I'm not sure why you want to be part of this organization mm-hmm. right uh, those core values are are, are who we are um, and if you're just you know if you're unwilling to, uh, to to live up to to what those core values are then um, you know maybe you should find something else that uh, you know that you're excited about or something else that you want to do in life yeah, um, absolutely so, so that, to me that's that, that's a big piece of Um, you know, maybe it's expectation wise, you know, I don't know if you could put it in a pet peeve category, but just, you know, definitely expectation wise, I expect folks to, you know, to embrace those core values.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I agree. I I think the, uh, one thing that Colonel Young, when he sat in the chair and saw it and talked about, like that was literally it, like that's the boat in which we go, right. That's the boat that we get on and we travel through some troubled waters, right. That's what keeps us in check. um and we've had some people test that out oh they found out all right very quickly that that you're this is not your boat right clear this is not your boat through some of your behaviors we cannot this is a tolerance that we can't we can't absorb so uh I, i think we all share in that um that's what gets us you know at least from zero like there's the cool and then we will go straight to 60 miles an hour very quickly when these things are breached. Because that's what we are. That's what defines who we are. So I, I think that's that's fair. That's a fair one. So with that being said, uh, that answers my questions. I think we're on a good time uh, time length there. We are ready to pivot to Cadet Ballesteros, who's going to be representing the cadet wing in their questions, if you don't mind, sir.
4: It in. Hello, sir. So hey. I know we talked a little bit this morning and everything, but um, my questions are more cadet related and more okay. things that I think could help our GMC FTP and as well as our POC. So I'll start off with a quick question. We all know that PSP board is coming up and these were actually not questions that were in, in the email we sent okay. out. I just, yeah. was kind of thinking and bring up some new ones, especially since you said we had the green lights. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have some different questions. Um, but do you have any specific FTP advice to give to those that are going to be going up for the PSP board this upcoming um, February?
2: Right. Yeah. You know, so obviously with the, the PSP board that's that's upcoming, um, you know, control what you can control. Right. Uh, you can control uh, how well you do in the classroom. You can control how well you do in the gym. Right. Uh, you can, can control you know, how dedicated you are to um, you know, the military training that the detachment is providing. So what type of cadet are you? Right, so you control those things, um, and it's important to do the, the best that that you can do in those areas, um, and then and then trust your cadre to, to take care of the rest. Um, now, you know, as you as you look at um, field training prep, um, you know, again, it's an opportunity, especially for POC cadets, to set the environment where one you're giving. Those GMC cadets, those 200s and 250s, those reps that we talked about earlier in leadership positions in, you know, whether it's leading a PT session, whether it's leading a, a, a group leadership problem or GOP, uh, you know, whether it's a, a staff position, whatever it may be, um, but giving them those reps over and over and over again. Right. Um, and then the really good, honest, professional uh, feedback. Uh, you know, debriefs uh, so the cadets can learn, right? So the GMC cadets can, can learn from the experience. But again, it, I, I can't stress enough the importance of setting the conditions where if they don't do well, that they're not emotionally crushed in the process, right? Um, and then afraid to put themselves out, out, out there again. Um, and if we do that as, as leaders, whether we're POC leaders, whether we're cadre leaders, you know, whatever it may be, um, we don't want to shut anybody down because if we shut them down, then again, they're not going to put themselves out there and they're not going to learn about themselves, right? And they're not going to get uh, to the point where they can be the best leader that, that they can be. Um, so I, I, I'm a firm believer in repetition. Again, you got to give them those opportunities over and over and over and over again um, because you, you're never going to, to culminate as you know the, the best leader, right? You know, Again, I've been doing, you know, I've been on active duty for, for 28 and a half years. And I would argue, I still learn about leadership every single day. Um, and, and I try to become the best leader that I can every single day. and I have to learn, and I have to make adjustments um, and you know I have to understand the environments that that I'm in. Uh, so so giving our GMC cadets those opportunities to to really really practice their leadership skills, right? So then you know obviously you've been through field training. so once you get to field training and you know you're going to get evaluated on your leadership capabilities. If you've been through it multiple times, you're gonna fall back on what your training was, right? So we talked about this earlier today. So as your stress level goes up, as things become more hard, they become more difficult, you're going to fall back on whatever your training is, right? So if you've had this opportunity to be in leadership positions multiple times and you've faced hard decisions that you had to make, make, you've seen the successes, you've had some failures along the way also, but you've learned from those failures and you've learned from the successes also. um, When you face that now at field training, okay. I, I can do this. I'm well prepared to do this. Right. And I can go out there and execute and, uh, you know, crush, you know, whatever type of problem they, they, uh, they, they send our way. Uh, and and we'll, we'll go out there and be successful as, as we lead the flight through, you know, again, whatever, whatever problems that they put in front of us. So that, I think that repetition repetition is is extremely important um, and allows those cadets to become comfortable uh, being uncomfortable in leadership positions.
4: No, that is a great point, sir. I feel like some people are like, "Oh, repetition can be kind of boring," but realistically, I remember this one quote that one of my previous flight commanders uh, would always tell me. And he became wing commander. He already graduated; like he's all good, at LT. But he always said, "Repetition is the motherhood of success." Lieutenant Ciotti. And very nice. I like it. So, so many, <laughs> so many times, every single lab, it was like, "Okay, we're, we're repeating. We're repeating." Yeah but we're learning and as well as what you said about controlling what you can control. There's so many things we can't control and a lot of it is in our hands. We just oftentimes forget about it or blame other things like, oh, I had this or, oh, I had that, but realistically we can do a lot. So I think those are great reminders for f 2 good at. So thank you, sir.
2: So transitioning,
4: oh, sorry, I cut you off, sir.
2: (laughs) No, I said absolutely. Yep.
4: Okay. No, yeah, definitely. Once again, thank you. And transitioning done now to a different topic. I feel like um, Mm -hmm. when, you know, people are GMC and they're going through their 300 year, there's obviously a transition because now they're going into the POC mindset. It's not as, you know, following. Now it's a lot of leadership. But oftentimes I find it that people go through the struggle of being a manager versus a leader because they're like, oh, I have so many task crews to, to complete. I need to do this and this and that. But they often forget about the leadership portion of Caring about the people underneath them is more than just sending out taskers. So do you have any advice regarding that between the transition of becoming a GMC, or a GMC to a POC and how to be an effective leader rather than just a manager?
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I see. It's a great question. Um, so one of the things that I used to ask our cadets um, as they were coming back from field training is what what duty position did they want to fill within the cadet wing? And um, you, what what position did they think was most meaningful in, in their minds? All right, uh, and obviously I have my own opinion, and uh, and of course I, I I would share that with them them also, which I'm getting ready to do with you also. Um, but what I was always hoping from the cadets coming back from field training is that they wanted to be a flight commander, um, and I would argue that uh, the flight commander position in a cadet wing is one of the most meaningful positions that you can hold, right? Some people say, oh, you know, it's the cadet wing commander, you know, it's the OG, it's, you know, whatever. Um, I would argue it's a flight commander.
3: Yes, sir,
2: 100%,
3: I fully (laughs) agree with that.
2: that, Absolutely, so um, when I look back at my four years in ROTC, when I got back from field training, um, I got to be a flight commander, and I learned more about myself in that semester, than I did any other semester by far, um, and you know, I I I got to understand. Uh, you know, obviously, there's stuff that you have to manage, like like you mentioned, but I I got to learn about what it meant to take care of folks, right? So to get to know my flight, you know, my, my flight of, of GMC cadets, right, um, and have the the ability to hopefully positively affect their time in ROTC. Um, so that they were ready to go off to field training, um, and hopefully set them up for success as they went off to field training, which maybe plays a small part in them, you know, achieving that goal that they're striving for, being a second lieutenant and chasing again whatever career field that that they happen to be to be chasing. Um, but again, I, I learned that it, it was more about, um, you know, simply, you know, executing whatever the you know, the, the, the tasks of the day were, right. You know, we're doing this in lead lab today, or we're doing this in PT or, you know, whatever. It, it was way more than that, right. Um, you know, what's going on with each one of those cadets lives, you know, how are they doing in school? How are they adjusting to the, the college environment? You know, um, you know, are, are they doing well with their academics? Do they have a social life? Um, you know, all that different stuff. And, and you know, get to know who they are as a person, right. Because if, if you take that time, then you can start to shape how you best support them, right? And you can start to see their successes because, you know, you're supporting them as, as, uh, you know, they're they're working through this difficult transition of, of trying to become uh, an officer in the United States Air Force, or of course now in the the Space Force. So, um, so I, I learned so much about myself as, as a flight commander and I loved it. And I always tried to get our cadets um to go towards that duty position um at some point as a POC uh you know the earlier that they can do it in their POC careers um i think the better uh but you know you may not have enough you know flight commander billets for for the cadets that you have um you know so it may come you know later on uh or you have to you know work other solutions um but 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 i think that's that's extremely in, in, important for uh, for the growth of um, of cadets as, as they work towards, you know, again, earning that commission. So, so, I don't know if that answers the question or not, but <laughs> that's a perfect uh, question. But there I, you go.
4: I, I completely yeah. agree. I know Cadet Walbro was the same thing as a, like, yeah, flight commander. I remember that was my first POC position, and it was ultimately the most rewarding one I've had. I had this is what my fifth POC position as a fifth year. And out of all of them, that was the one that, like, really left a yeah. mark in me just because yeah. you really realize if you, if you care about your people, they will be more yeah. invested program and they're going to do so much better and you do learn so many things because you're put in so many different scenarios because everybody's lives are so different i remember sure, sure. i was so shout out to Kaderit, uh but he's priority and i was like how am i supposed to lead somebody who has so much more experience over me and i was freaked out out of my mind i remember i was talking to him through our initial feedback i'm like i don't know how to lead you i really don't but like we worked through it throughout the re- you know the rest of the semester but it's yeah. there's just again those small little things that you didn't realize you're going to be in those positions, yeah. but then you learned uh-huh. the, like, there are certain things I need to figure out. I need to work on my insecurities. I need to work on my confidence so I can still lead people like that. And I related it back like, oh, this is going to be a perfect scenario when I work with NCOs, because they're going to be people that are have years, years and magnitudes more experience than me that I'm supposed to lead them. And it's going to be very similar, different, but similar.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
3: If I may, so yeah. And, and to your, to both of your points, um, my, yeah, my first POC semester job was flight commander. Um, not only was it bar none, the most enjoyable experience I ever had. It's the reason why I went back to field training to be a CTA. Um, but to, to your point, you learn so much and you learn so much so quickly because not only do you need to lead mentor and develop this team of, you know, 20 or so GMC cadets that have, vastly different lives, vastly different expectations and experiences and mold them into solid, excellent GMC cadets. Uh, But you also have to worry about running an operation, preparing for an operation and evaluating them in a space where it's fair and just. Uh, Because, you know, at the end of the day, I I had so much compassion for every person in my flight and I wanted them to succeed. But we went down to the ranking table. number, Number one through 20, when we look at all the squadrons, couldn't be all of my people. And having to learn those hard choices, um, how to fairly evaluate, how to manage, how to really lead, I think is a, a pivotal cornerstone uh, as we go on. Cause I would not be able to be nearly, you know, as, as hopefully in my peers eyes, a successful flight commander, or excuse me, a successful squadron commander am now, if it weren't for the experiences and the learning uh, that I was able to, to get from being a flight commander. So absolutely to both your points, an extremely important role. And I think it makes it makes the whole ROTC thing really fun because it you gets your own team. And for the first time in your ROTC life, you have 16 weeks where you have to lead that team. And their success is directly, you know, there's some smaller factors that you can't directly control, but a large portion of it is directly, you know, how much energy you put in, how much care you put in uh, for their success yeah. and then vice versa as well.
2: Absolutely.
4: Yeah, for yeah, any... Yeah. Sorry, so go right ahead.
2: (laughs) No, you you hit on a key part with fun, which uh, we'll talk about a little bit later, but but go ahead.
4: All right. So, yeah, I was just going to say, I know a flight commander can be scary. And right now we have assistant flight commanders to kind of help people get that leadership experience. (laughs) Um, But one of the biggest things that people struggle with is like oh I want to do all these things during L-Lab, but they forget of what makes a successful team is the trust and I know you talked a lot about having that family aspect within your within your groups so whoever you're leading and I think that's foundational for any for any group I remember from my flight um we that was the biggest thing I always hit on and it was to the point where at the very end of the semester we had a cadet who lost his mother and all of us went to the the funeral and that was Oddly enough, like one of the most bonding experiences I've had because all of us were there in line and you were just, you know, they're supporting. But if it wasn't for that trust, I don't think none of us would have been there in the first place. Um, But like things like that, like kind of just leave a little memory in your mind. You're like, you know, that that was something big. So it truly is something valuable.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely.
4: Sir, do you want to hit on your topic about fun? I know you were like, oh, we'll talk about Uh, it in a bit. uh, uh,
2: (laughs) No, I've got it. We'll come back to it. it. I got it.
4: Okay, okay, I will yeah. come back. So okay. this is more on a different scope, but I think um, culture changes are something really big. It can be something as small as in within your element, within your flight, within your group, or even like, let's say in the wing level within your detachment. But how do you deal with a culture change, even if it's something big? Um, and through your experience, has there ever been a time where you had to lead a culture change, like how was that?
2: Yeah, so um, obviously that, that, that can be very difficult uh, for sure. Um, so I I think part of, we can take this in in a a couple different directions, right? You know, so one, um, are you, you know, why are you trying to change a culture, right? Is is there something wrong with the culture? Uh, you know, do you have some, some toxic aspects of your culture that, that you're trying to change? Um, are you changing culture just because society has changed? So you're changing that aspect. Um, you know, so, so why are you trying to change uh, the, the culture? Um, and I think as a, uh, as a young leader, or even if, if, if even if you're an old leader, <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, one of the things that, that you want to do is to ensure that you're taking input, right, and taking lots of input. So if you're in an organization, and you're looking at potentially changing the culture, you know, so one understanding the why behind it, why are you trying to change the culture, right? And then Based off that, what do your airmen or your guardians? Um, what do they expect out of the culture for that that organization? Right? You know, just because you have something in your mind that okay, you know, the culture has to look like this. Well, are are you off the mark at all? because you might be, right? And if you are, you need to identify that. And the only way you're gonna identify that is to get input from the, the folks that, that are part of this cultural change with you, right? Um, so whether you're the leader or you're just you know part of the leadership that is, is changing the culture, again, you gotta get that input from, from really from everybody uh, to, to ensure that you're making the right decisions for the right reasons. Um, so be willing to, to, to take that, that input. Um, and that can be that can be very, very difficult. All right. Um, sometimes it can be very easy. Right. Because you can go in into an organization and like, oh, yeah, the culture is, is bad here. Uh, you know, let's let's change this. And everyone's like, yeah, absolutely. Right. And everybody's on board and it's, and it's easy. Um, you know, and it, and it can be something as simplistic. Um, so when I was a group commander uh, and I, I was a group commander in a security forces group. So it's all security forces squadrons and that, that were underneath us and um the 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 tradition if you will was for holiday parties that you'd have a group holiday party and there wouldn't be squadron holiday parties so i'm like and of course i'm the group commander so you might think in my mind well that's cool right i get to i get to host the the holiday party for everybody well i I had the opportunity to, to be a squadron commander a number of times and i was like as a squadron, I want to do my own holiday party. It's part of my family. That's my squadron, right? I, I don't need the group to do my holiday party for me, right? Uh, so we changed it, right? So you know, we we talked to to the different squadrons, like, hey, you know, here's kind of what we're thinking, you know, um, and, and it may not completely go into a cultural thing, but you can you can tie it to you know how the group oversaw the squadrons, right, and, and what that culture looked like. And and I believe that the group didn't need to run like a big squadron because it wasn't fair to the squadrons, you know, especially you know the squadron leadership, right? They get hired to be squadron commanders and chiefs and, and ops officers and, and ops superintendents. They don't need a group commander to be the squadron commander for them, right? So um, so we were able to make that change, and 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 that was easy, right? Everybody was on board. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Right? Uh, you may go into to, to other you know. You know, organizations and uh, yeah, the culture is off, but other people don't think it's off, um, and and you may have to work through that. Uh, you know, we, we, in one of the organizations I was part of, we um, we, we made a, a pretty big shift on how we how we operated, and uh, and there's a lot of people that were not on board. Uh, so to be able to work through that, we spent a, a lot of time listening to why they weren't on board. Okay, so we make some adjustments based off that, and then. From there, then we spent a lot of time explaining the why. So here's why we're getting ready to make these changes. Um, and again, at the end of the day, not everybody agreed, but we got a lot more people on board because we took their initial inputs so of why they were hesitant. We made adjustments, and then we went back and we continued to talk about the why behind it. And, and by doing that, again, we got a, a majority of the people on board. Um, and the ones that weren't on board, it was okay. Because they still understood the why they didn't agree, but they understood the why. Uh, And and I think that was important as as we were making change there also. Um, And at the end of the day, you may not make everybody happy. Right. And you got to understand, you know, we're dealing with people. People have different likes, dislikes, wants, goals, needs, you know, whatever it may be. Um, So it's okay. Uh, But I think we owe it as leaders to to explain the why, especially as as we're going to try to to. introduce change. Um, I think it's, it's really important.
4: I love how you really hit on the whole resistance aspect because it is there. I remember when Colonel Young came in, you know, you we were trying to lead a culture change and there was resistance. It was a little bit rocky. Captain oh, Slash can attest to this.
3: <laughs> yeah, <it was laughs> we
4: were in the struggle. It was a tough time. There was
3: <laughs> <problems>.
4: <laughs> um, and it, I think it took us basically a year where, where we are now to kind of, see finally those changes that we were trying to strive for but it it, it took a while so what you said you can't make everybody happy but as long as you what you feel is right you know you're doing the right thing I think that's what matters so thank you for adding that input because it just it hit home (laughs) I think all of us here were like oh dang (laughs) so that was good thank you sir so I think moving on to like a similar topic but How do you transition between different leadership? I know, you know, we had Colonel Williams and now we had Colonel Young and, you know, transitioning through his leadership and now yourself, how you're transitioning from a different region commander, how, or what advice would you have for those that are transitioning different commanders?
2: So, so the advice for people that are experiencing, uh, having, having to work for different commanders? Yes. Yeah. Um, so one expected, right? That's going to happen during, during your time. Uh, you know, commanders, you know, supervisors, they, they, they come and go, uh, you know, we're, we're on the move a lot. So, uh, and you'll be on the move a lot also. So, um, you know, part of it, you know, one is simply being a good airman or a good guardian, right? If you're good at your job, uh, you know, you're a good tactician, uh, so, again, whatever career field you're in, that, that you're good at, at what you do, and obviously as, as a leader that you're about taking care of your people, um, you know, whoever you're working for is going to appreciate that, number one, right? So that makes the transition easier. Um, and then understanding what the, you know, that, that new commander that's, that's come in, uh, what their intent is uh, in the direction that that they're going. Um and hopefully, having that opportunity to to shape some of that also, right? Um, by talking about in the mission sets that that you're trying to take care of, uh, you know the direction that the unit has been going to to be able to have those open and honest uh, discussions, uh, so that new commander can you know make the determination on which way you know they want to take take the organization. Um, I will tell you, for me. Uh, you know, I got the opportunity to command uh, a few times. Um, I am not looking for yes, men and women. Right. Um, and, and I find it not overly helpful um, when you have group think. Right. So you come in as, as a new commander and, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's you're exactly right, sir. 100 percent. That's the way we should go. Every, really? Like everything I say is right. No, nah, I I ain't buying it. I'm just not buying it. Right. So, um, you, so having the, the, you know, the fortitude, the moral courage to, uh, to be able to tell, tell the new boss, uh, you, what, what you think is, is going on within that organization. Right. And that can be hard, right. You know, you know I don't want to make the new boss mad. I don't want him to think that, that I'm not a good airman or a good guardian. I, it, yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, but I would think most leaders want to know the truth of what's going on so they can make a positive impact. I think they want that. Um, you know, unfortunately, you may run across that one or two that that doesn't, um, and that's really unfortunate if that happens because um, it shouldn't. Um, you know, as leaders, again, we want to set the environment that uh, people know that their inputs are valued, um, even if they disagree. Right at the end, of the day we're still in the military, and you know, once the final decision's made, you know, we'll be good airmen. You know, good guardians will stoop smartly and move on. Um, but we owe it to our leaders to, to, to tell them the truth of, of what's going on.
4: Thank you, Shai. I, I greatly appreciate that. I, I think we, I guess, sort of face, you know, different commanders when we do like our little change of POC positions and you have a different supervisor and you try to assimilate because obviously everybody's very different. But I think on a bigger scale, all of us think, "Oh, things going to be in active duty. People are going to be like so much more serious." But I think we try to we get a little bit over our heads sometimes when we think about the future. But you know, that that sure. I think your points are really great, especially not being simply yes men. And I feel like that is oftentimes a similar thing that happens in in ROTC. We're like, "Yeah, we're all going to you know do that whole same thing." But we do need that have those different perspectives as we've talked about um captain sledge how much time do we have left i know it's already past seven so i kind of just want to gauge
1: how many questions you got
4: i mean we can we can keep going but how
1: how much time do you have that's 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 the money that's where the money is he's like he's got
2: the bank no i'm okay we're doing good um okay
4: yeah i know kind uh walbro still wanted to do the whole you know more of the funner questions uh turn the podcast. let's do do it <laughs> so Colonel kind of well Wilbraham, the, the floor is
3: yours. Um, <laughs> if everybody's all ready, Colonel Grim, sir, since you're the guest of honor, I'm going to ask you the first "Would you rather," sir. You ready? Okay.
2: Yeah. All let's right. Let's do it.
3: So we'll start it off a little bit easy, Colonel Grim, sir. Would you rather be in the Thanksgiving Day parade, and if so, what would you want to do, or would you want to be one of the hosts commenting on the parade?
2: <laughs> um, that's interesting. So um, I'm going to make a, a correlation, if that's cool. So, yes, uh, to answer the question, I'm cool with being in the parade, uh, but with a caveat. So, okay. when I was stationed at F.E. Warren in Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, every year they have what's called Frontier Days. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. the daddy of them yeah, all. I love is, that rodeo. Yes, sir. Yep. 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 There you go. And every year, the security forces group and the the, uh, the 90th uh, Missile Wing uh, we would march in the parade. So, uh, you know, for the Security Force group, you know, we'd have, I don't know, probably 100, 150 airmen, um, and we'd go, you know, looking all sharp in our uniforms and our and our braids, and and uh, we we would march, and it was really cool to see the reaction of the crowd, right? So, you know, they have all the other you know, entities that are part of the parade, also, you know, but when the military units would come through, I mean, the the crowd would just get electric, right? And I loved it; absolutely loved being part of that. But I want to be part of it with my airmen, right? Okay. Um, yes, so sir. not not me, not me. Just you're bebopping by myself. Um, mm-hmm. But to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A good
3: answer. I like that. Yes, sir. Yeah.
2: But to be part of a you know a, a military formation in that parade, oh yeah, sign me up. That's awesome. Sign me up. Did absolutely. you uh, Did you have to yeah, refresh I, I on
3: some of your drill and ceremony skills for those parades, sir?
2: Uh, yes. <laughs>
3: that's awesome. <laughs> it does come Absolutely. back. Everybody DNC is important.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
3: that's
1: awesome. Yeah, I, I agree on that one sir. Um I, I got a good commentator voice, but if I could be back with the Honor Guard, you know, Air Force Honor Guard, got there doing that thing out there in DC, man, yeah, yeah, I'd go. No problem. Absolutely. No problem. I don't care what the cold, how, how cold it was. It was it was cool being out there with them. That was it. Yep. That was it, man. Good feeling. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs>
3: Awesome. All right, Captain Sledge, sir, the next one's going to be for you. This one's going to be a fun one. Would you rather eat a Thanksgiving meal with just your hands, the whole thing, hands only, or have to open your Christmas presents using the fork? And sir, I know you have little kids, so we're going to have to say that the whole family has to use the fork to open the presents to put a little bit more skin in the game. That's going to be so a long I, time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a while. But especially if you have those weird wrappings, the ones that are very hard to crack open. You know, you got to use a fork to pivot through them. I don't <laughs> know about all that, man. Maybe I just won't buy them a Walkman. A lot of y'all don't know what a Walkman is that are a CD player. You don't know what that is. That's okay. <laughs> but trying to get through them is rough. So I would probably go ahead and just, I, I got Thanksgiving with my hand. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Uh, look yeah. crazy for a little bit. Uh, but I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna be alright. <laughs> okay. You know, the, the Mac look, the Mac and the in the and the mashed potatoes are just gonna have to take a sacrifice this year. they got to have to take the L. because uh, uh, 'cause I'm not you can you can keep the fork.
3: <laughs> all right, sir. That's a good answer. You know, I, I I was thinking that's gonna be the one that you're gonna go with. Uh so I'm I'm glad I was right. Kept by Astero, so you're up next. We'll go around the circle a few more times. I'm just gonna all throw right. out
2: I remember I remember when Walkman's came out. Just saying. Oh, oh, skip, skip proof and, my, and all this without CDs. But.
3: <laughs> my dad had a Walkman. Uh, when he was an airman. Um, and he used to talk fondly about it. He actually bought one uh, a few, not a few years back. I want to say probably about 10 years back uh, to use when he goes jogging. And it's oh, still man. around the house. I don't know if he uses it anymore, but I do know what it is. But that's, that's only thanks to my dad. All right. <laughs> Kept by Astero. So you ready? I think this one's going to be an interesting thing for you. Okay. Would you rather spend Thanksgiving in New York City or on a farm? Um, I've never been to New York
4: City, and I feel like not a lot of people would go on Thanksgiving. Or maybe that's just my reasoning, but I feel like people would go mostly there for, let's say, New Year's. But I don't think Thanksgiving, I would say a farm. I feel like that would be the most family-oriented. Because if mm-hmm. I think about it, like my family in Mexico has a farm. And, yep. you know, I can have my whole like family because you just said a farm. So I'm going to assume it's going to be my family. I was farm. actually so going to add a,
3: like, a, a little farm like not thing in a Mexico, farm. <laughs> but th- you did it for me. So thanks.
4: Because <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have nobody in, in New York, so I, I wouldn't be able to relate.
3: <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah. We all know me. I would 100% choose the farm. Um, yeah, so absolutely. I'm glad to know you're coming with. That's awesome. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Indeed. Give me one second. There was one that I found. Oh, okay. All right. Colonel Grimser, I, I don't know what your athletic skills look like. I don't know what your singing skills look like. So
2: this Nope, is I'm not be... singing. I'm not singing nothing. I'll say that right
3: now. <laughs> okay. So the question was going to be, I'll find another one, but the question was going to be, would you rather play in an NFL football game with the football skills you have now or sing the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade with the singing abilities you have
2: now? Football every day. Okay. <laughs> you so all know that. <laughs>
3: All right. At least
2: you guys would get a, a giggle watching me get, get cracked out on the football field, right? Oh, man, he just got crushed, right? <laughs> you, get a, you get a good laugh at that. I'd hurt your it just ears. I, yeah, I, I just straight up hurt your ears. You'd be like, oh my God, shut that and turn the volume <laughs> turn <it> off. <laughs> off. That's horrible. 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 Oh, yeah, man. you don't want me singing nothing. So it is funny. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's part of ROTC. You know, obviously everybody's got to learn the, the Air Force song, and then you have cadets got to sing the Air Force song. To me, that is the worst thing that we do, is you know, when, it, when somebody's got to sing by themselves in front of everybody. I, I was terrible. I can talk. I, see. <laughs> I have no problems with public speaking. You put me in front of a thousand people, I have no problems. You have me singing in front of two people, I, I'm a wreck. I ain't no. I'm not doing it. Not doing it.
4: The ORI well. days, and they would ask you for more knowledge, sing the Air Force song, and you're like, mm. Oh, oh God. no, that's like, horrible. Like, it's horrible.
2: It's like <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least
3: at field training, we got to do it all together, right? Uh, numb the pain a little bit. No.
2: Yeah. All
3: right, That's sir. Nice. Since that one was a quick and easy one, I'm going to give you a little bit harder one. Okay. So would you rather invite a famous person to join your family's dinner or be the one person invited to join a famous person's family dinner? If so, who would that person be? If you got somebody on the top of your mind.
2: Wow. Um, so, yeah, I would love to have... Uh... I'd like to invite somebody to, to come have, have dinner. Um, I'd love, I would love to sit down with Colin Powell. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I would love to pick his brains. Obviously, his time in the military, all the way up to you know being the chairman. Um, you know his time, uh, you know during Desert Storm. Uh, obviously, I mean you go back you know all the way to Vietnam with him, but but then you know, uh, you know when when Desert Storm uh, kicked off. Uh, but then to be able to transition to the time, uh, you know, I, I, you know when he was the secretary uh, and, and what that was like, and why he never ran for president, mm. I want to ask him that. Why did he, I think he's answered that in some interviews? You know, that it mm. just wasn't for him, it wasn't for his family. But but I'd love to have that one on one. Why didn't you run for president? man? we, we really could have. I would love between loved me this and, and you. Me. Come on, we know. Yeah, we need you. Tell, you can tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the lowdown. Give me the truth behind it, so. <laughs> sir.
1: stop, um, stop stuffing your face with that mashed potatoes. I know it's great,
2: <laughs> yeah. I need answer an answer. Question. This is for Absolutely. me. <laughs> That's Colin a good Powell. I, I, yeah, I would love to. I'd love to sit down with Colin Powell for sure.
3: Awesome. Thank you, sir. All right, All right. Captain Sledge, you're up next. We're going to talk about the the large table that you would have to set again for obviously, sir. Your quite magnificent family. So. Mm-hmm. Here's the question. Would you rather not get past food during Thanksgiving dinner or constantly be passing food for other people during?
1: (sighs) Man, look, that food's got to come around. (laughs) It's got to come around. I cannot. Because once I sit down. Once I sit down, <laughs> it's over. I have my, it's over. I'm not servicing anyone. You, you're going to have to pass. So I would make it happen with that fork I was supposed to be using my presents for, is using for the presents? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to use that fork to like multitask <laughs> and while I'm passing food around with my left, right? I got, I got to go. Okay. So. Uh, I'm, you you got my answer on that one. I guess we're just gonna be a passing family because I I got to I, I gotta have it.
3: One arm for <laughs> passing, one arm for eating. That's how we're. That's doing what we're
1: doing all night. Okay, I <laughs> will take it. <laughs>
3: okay, sir. That's all
1: how right. we're rolling.
3: <laughs> Cadet by Asteros. Yes. Would you rather do a potluck Thanksgiving dinner and end up with everyone bringing stuff, or end up with everyone bringing mashed potatoes? We all know how mashed potatoes. Captain Sledge's <laughs> face lit up for that one. I, I think we you know what his answer would be. Mashed potatoes are a delicacy of Thanksgiving. I, th- mm-hmm. I know that's my favorite food, as long as there's gravy, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm curious to get your perspective on that one.
4: So either different food versus just mashed potatoes, right? Oh, I'm go? sorry.
3: It said everyone bring, bringing stuffing or oh, everyone stuff. bringing mashed potatoes. Oh, That changes. <laughs> that their- changes. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We'll be right back.
0: If you're a prospective cadet interested in joining Air Force ROTC at UNLV, please register for spring 2024 before the deadline of December 17th. For more information, please visit www.unlv.edu forward slash AFROTC forward slash join. Again, that's www.unlv.edu forward slash AFROTC forward slash join. We can't wait to meet you. Attention, current debt for cadets. Air Force ROTC Honor Guard showcases an elite league. Become a part of a distinguished tradition showcasing precision, discipline, and patriotism. Elevate your skills through ceremonial performances, embodying excellence at every step. Develop leadership, teamwork, and an unwavering dedication while honoring our nation's values. Experience unparalleled training from seasoned professionals, mastering drill and ceremonies to represent the highest standards of the Air Force. If you are interested in joining the ranks of the best, please contact Cadet Davison or Cadet Stevens. You are listening to Hypercast. Here comes the next segment.
3: All right. Tell you what, well, we're waiting for Colonel Grimm to come back online. We're going to keep it alive. So, Captain Sledge, would you rather eat raw pumpkin or raw cranberries for uh, Thanksgiving? Oh, or? man, I'm going
1: with I'm going with the cranberries all day. Okay all day. I love cranberry sauce. It's delicious. I can't just go open up a pumpkin and just start going in (laughs) on it. I can't. It reminds me of squash. I I can't do that if they're related. So um, nah, I'm going cranberries all day. I can go with the bitter. I'm good with that all day.
3: Okay. All right. Kid up by a Would you rather take an expensive Thanksgiving vacation or eat an expensive Thanksgiving dinner? I'm talking like the greatest Thanksgiving dinner you could possibly imagine that money could buy for free or an expensive vacation.
4: Would I be able to bring people on the vacation? It yeah, you can, you so can, much.
3: we'll tell you what, you can include your immediate family on the vacation.
4: On the vacation. I feel like that would be so fun. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so the food's not that good.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, you can bring the whole family. Like you wouldn't have to worry about washing the dishes or, you know, doing all the prep and you can just like enjoy a vacation. And if it's free, even better. I feel like that'd be so good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that is true. That does sound good. I, I'd i agree with you. Uh, I would agree with you on that one. Thanksgiving dinner is good. Uh, it's super nice to have it, but I don't know if it's that good. Yeah, I mean, if it's a free vacation. That is true. Colonel Grimson, uh, you want to go ahead and give us a try? Uh, yes, you can. Can you hear me? We
2: yes, sir. We got Came you back. Uh, sorry. sorry. All right, here we go. No story, worries. story oh, time. time. Oh, the, the tradition. So it, it, in our family, it is tradition. Every... Thanksgiving morning, uh, it's my immediate family. Uh, we have pumpkin pie for breakfast every single <laughs> My year. mom will do the
3: same thing. <laughs> that's that's awesome.
2: how that's how we start off uh, Thanksgiving Day with pumpkin pie. Now, Colonel pie.
3: Grimm, are you guys are you guys making your own pumpkin pie, sir? Or are you going to get the big one from Costco or?
2: Yeah,
1: Costco's
3: alright.
2: Yeah, no. Uh, so my my wife normally normally makes it. You don't want me making. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, like I I might be able to make some some ramen noodles to add in, but, um, that, that's, that's about it. So yeah. Yeah. my wife makes it. It's awesome.
3: That's awesome. Super cool. All right. So we're going to ask you one more question and then we'll go ahead and flex on to the next thing. Sound good. Captain Sledge. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Colonel Grimm for the last question of the night, would you rather burn your Turkey, but have an otherwise perfect Thanksgiving meal? Everything else is phenomenal. It's perfect. Or burn everything except keep the turkey, which is absolutely perfect.
2: Burn the turkey every time.
3: Burn the (laughs) turkey. All right.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You already know. I'm going to tell you. I mean, you're going to know why because I got to have pumpkin pie. Got (laughs) you. You can't be burning the pumpkin pie.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all the sides all messed up. The Mac is gone. The the mash is gone. Man, you you would get cussed out until next Thanksgiving.
2: (laughs) Like... (laughs) Absolute. How the heck
1: did you do that?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah no. Got to have nah, the. We, you, you already, we already talked about the mashed potatoes. You got to have rolls. You know. You got yeah, well, you you know, you know, to have all you that. No, you I, have I, I all would that.
3: argue that the sides <laughs> do, do make the meal for Thanksgiving. I think whatever your choice of meat is, because I know a lot of people do steak or even fish sometimes. And um, you know, there's always there's going to be that staple meat for most. It's turkey. For others, it's you know a, a nice ribeye or maybe a tomahawk or something. But I think what what truly makes a great Thanksgiving meal is the science. I will argue.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. All right. Remember
1: that time when Cadet Waldoch burned the turkey? See, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. But he's he <laughs> We remember that time? <laughs> Who the hell burned? Yeah, see, yeah. Burn? Uh-uh. Nope. Nope. So there you go. I agree. Awesome. It makes sense. So we're, go- we're-, we're going with the turkey. We'll burn that and we'll eat that sounds
3: good all right colonel grim on your tab of fun sir if you'd like to finish us off with that story and then captain sledge you can go ahead and take us out of here
2: absolutely so um so i mentioned this uh i think earlier today when we had our our question and answer thing um there's four priorities that i always have have tried to incorporate in the whatever uh you know unit i was in um and it's training communication family and fun right uh and we've kind of touched on all of those today uh as as we've done this this podcast thing um and yeah i can't stress enough the importance of training we got to be really really good at what we do we have adversaries out there that hope that we don't take training serious and that we're not really good at what we do um and when things get hard when they get stressful dangerous you're going to fall back on whatever your training is so it's got to be rock solid training it's got to be hard realistic training uh again so we we build the best airmen and the best guardians uh, that, that we can um in order for an organization to get better uh i think you have to have open communication up and down the chain of command lateral uh and everyone has to know that their input matters and is valued um and that's going to help us get, get, get better as an organization. It doesn't mean that everyone's always going to be happy that, uh, that we go a certain direction. Um, but again, as we talked about the why behind stuff, making sure that we take the time to explain the why, especially after we've, we've uh, gleaned all the inputs from everybody throughout the organization that, that we can. Um, it's all about the family. It's about taking care of each other um, and setting that environment where folks know that the unit that you're in is a family and that we're here for each other we're going to work through the hard times uh we're going to be there for each other during the hard times um and we're also going to be there uh you know during the good times uh, also and when it's family it's obviously the, the the service members but it's also spouses kids boyfriends girlfriends you know parents whatever it may be um, they need to be part of the overall uh, uh family uh, O- uh, overall, part of the organization to be part of that family, and then uh, the last part is is fun. So if you think about it, do you want to be part of a profession over a long period of time and never have any fun?
3: Absolutely not. That is just so not it's fun for be you. Part
2: of it. Yeah. Why? Why would you stay part of that organization, right? And I would tell my cadets, and I would tell my airmen on active duty, if you're not having fun, this is not for you it's okay, right? Go find what makes you happy, right? What we hope is that that folks that come into to ROTC or come into the Air Force or Space Force, um, that they find a family, right? They find a sense of purpose and that they're having a lot of fun while they do it. And I think it's up to us as leaders to set that environment also. Um, you know, we, we mentioned before, you know, my bio and all that stuff. You know, I, I've, I've been very fortunate to be stationed all over the world. I've been to deployed in some um, some not garden spots. Um, <laughs> and even in those areas, we still had a lot of fun. Um, you know, we were, we were locked on and, and we took care of the mission, obviously. But we had a lot of fun while we did it. Um, and I think it's important to have fun in what you're doing and as a leader to let people know that it's okay to have fun. Um, Again, that's how you're going to retain folks, right? Because if you're not having fun, then you know they're, they're not going to stick around. They're just not. Um, and and why would why would they stick around? Why would you want them to stick around, right? So um, so I think it's really important to incorporate fun in what we do, right? Uh, you know, again, I look back at my time in RTC, and you know, I have lifelong friends from RTC, uh, and and we had a lot of fun. Uh, and I look very fondly back at my last 28 and a half years, and. Uh, while not every single day was fun, um, you know, there's bad days, obviously. But man, I've had a lot of fun over the last 20 and a half years, and I've always said the day I stop having fun, I'm I'm done, I'm 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 out. Uh, so I think having fun is very very healthy for an organization. Absolutely. So yeah. that that was it on on the yeah. fun part. And
3: and to that point, sir, I'd I'd also argue that if you if you have fun and if you enjoy what you're doing and the environment of of which you're working in is enjoyable and fun Uh, it instills a sense of purpose in you and and a a want for excellency in you because i mean if i'm a gmc cadet or even if i'm a flight commander i don't feel empowered or enjoy what i'm doing in what's supposed to be the most enjoyable poc job why am i going to want to be good at it why am i as a gmc cadet going to want to you know apply myself and and get good at these competencies like it's it's easy to understand that they're important and yeah, it's easy to on. understand that, that these things are necessary. But yeah. it's, it's hard to apply yourself to them and be as excellent as you can possibly be um, without the enjoyment factor.
2: Yep. Well said. Awesome. Back over to you guys. All right.
1: All right. Cool. So with that being said, again, Colonel Grimm. Appreciate you, uh, you know, taking your time. I know you're a busy person, got some big current things to do. Again, we appreciate you coming and sitting down with Red Alert. And that's the team that's actually delivering the news and hopefully uh, the information that the Southwest region is looking for, as well as debt for the Rebel Nation. Um, Again, um, this information is going to literally go into the Spotify, go into the YouTube channels for, for your viewing, listening pleasure, as well as the cadet wings so they can get your perspective. Um, so, uh, uh, last, I just wanted to kind of leave off with, uh, uh, a a note that, that that I I think is important for everybody to, to go off of. And that's just the, the importance of resiliency and and the, what, you know, we have to go through in order to get to where we're going, that, that goal to the second Lieutenant. I know we talked about a lot of things, fun, things like that, uh, challenges and and resiliency. Um, I I definitely would want to just bring out the fact that, how important that is uh, as they as you as we pivot through this this journey and, and as well as your journey, as well sir, as, as the Southwest region commander. Uh, there There is definitely a level of resiliency that you have to have that we don't realize. Right. We don't see you every day. We don't know the decisions that you make every every single day that, you know, pivot us to the direction that we need to go. Um, but I, I know that it's tough up there. I, I know it, there's some things that we just don't understand and we shouldn't right there's something that we don't need to know um but again i just wanted to throw out the the appreciation of the hard work that y'all do up there uh to to keep us to keep the boat steering in the right direction whether regardless if we know it or not uh we try our best as cadre to to kind of filter that out to to the cadets so they can kind of understand a little bit more sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but uh just know that we understand you, um, you know, on that level. And we will, like you mentioned before, we will salute sharply and we will go. Um, although the the decisions that are made are probably not popular. You probably don't even agree with them. Right. But we got to we got to do our thing. So uh, again, th- again, a lot of the stuff that you had mentioned before, you know, alludes to that. And we we definitely appreciate the fact that you were able to just sit down and kind of talk to us about some some of the basic experiences that you had. Over the last three decades, so uh, wow, it's very important that, that the cadets get to know that. <laughs> <laughs> so. But, uh, so, with that being said, uh, we're good to go. So we'll uh, go ahead and check out here. Just if everybody could just stay for a second to uh, so make sure everything uploads properly, so that Canales doesn't lose any of our any of our data, and we will go from there.
2: Cool, yes, sir. Awesome. Thanks for All having right, me. Thanks again, I'm sir.
3: Absolutely. Yep, so